Um, hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. Um, what you're going to hear is a recording uh, from the Hacker Public Radio Sunday sessions, uh, Saturday sessions, my bad. Um, let's keep that in. <laughs> and uh, the, the purpose of these sessions is in order to record uh, content for HPR. So uh, if you want to record about something and or there's something you know a lot about and you want to share this information but you don't really know how to say it or you need somebody to ask questions about it then basically if you if you can't get your cat or your dog to listen to you and you need a real human come along and find some of us here um who would pro prompt you and ask some questions and uh and uh and uh um what else um that's 9 a.m., right, on Mumble, on the Linux 9 Basics a.m. EST on the Linux Basics Mumble server, 9 a.m. EST or uh, 3 p.m. or 1,500 hours, uh, Europe, Amsterdam. introduce ourselves from the top um i'll start off first because i'm after bert and bert's muted himself so i'm bruce and uh today i'm just going to sit on the sidelines and uh and chime in when i have something useful to say hey folks this is chatter can everybody hear me yes we can hear you i can hear you loud and thank clear. you i finally got bluetooth working with a headset so i'm pleased to see that both the output and input is working. The problem is I can't use my headphones, my wired headphones. All I can use is Bluetooth. So I'm uh, special that way today. I'm Cobra 2, and I just came to uh, moral support to anybody who needed to record something. I'm a dude man, and uh, I'll, I'll come into these mumble channels and chat with anybody for prolonged periods of time. And uh, I think today I wouldn't mind talking a bit about art because uh, that's what I've been spending the last week getting, uh, trying to educate myself about. Art is in Arch Linux, I presume? Yeah, Arch Linux, distro. Okay. All right, I'm KT4B, John. I just go by John, but uh, just for a handle, I use my amateur radio call sign. And basically, I'm just... Uh, I'm going to listen and throw my two cents worth in. I don't have a subject. Uh, I'm a, a master of nothing and interested in everything. A real hacker. My name is Kay Wisher. Kevin is my first name. So you can all refer to me by my first name. It don't matter. Um, I don't have a particular subject for today. Um, we were, I thought we were just gathering here to kind of gather some information and kick off some ideas, but I'll be happy to give my two cents worth when needed. Okay, well, I'm Nido Media, and I'm a, a great supporter of HPR, and I'd be happy to record something about uh, how to create a configure script. I'd be happy to talk about, um, let's see, uh, 
how to create RPM packages and how to publish a RPM repository. And um, well, that's uh, two subjects already. If there's something else you want to talk about, if you want to know uh, about email, uh, I can talk about that as well. Dude, talk about somebody who's on the ball. Excellent. And over well, since here. we have one, there's one uh, uh, subject, uh, actually, one particular subject on the list, I suggest we start with uh, Arch Linux. Uh, Cobra, that was your subject, correct? Negative, sir. Upon, uh, that was actually it. my subject, and uh, thanks. I'm for... very sorry for the ex- for the fusion. I'm uh, I tried to do better next time. No, it's a great way of getting people involved, making them speak. You know, pretending that you were confused. I'll be happy Linux. to Arch Linux. I'll take the uh, the baton from here. Um, as maybe you've known, if if you listen to my podcast at dudmanovi.cz, for over the uh, last month or so, I've been swaying between which distro to use, uh, hopping around on one foot aimlessly in in some aspects. And uh, I've kind of hopped on to uh, Arch Linux. And um, I had heard through lots of podcasts I listened to, you know, that it's very technical and, you know, difficult to maintain and update. But um, I thought I'd give it a go anyway. And um, I've been playing with it for the last week on a virtual machine. But just the last few days, I... I'd got comfortable with a virtual machine, and uh, I went ahead and put it on some on some raw metal. And I'm actually really surprised. I'm surprised that I haven't found it earlier, and I'm surprised how much easier it is than I actually thought. Has anyone else ever tried uh, Arch Linux? Uh, I've used Arch Linux for about five years. Ah, I was actually considering doing some more subjects on Arch Linux, maybe even a podcast. I'd saw in the uh, forums over over Arch Linux that someone had asked maybe back in 2009 if people were interested. And my, my main reason is it's a great way to learn is, is chatting with people and uh, meeting for some common subjects. So maybe you can really help me here. Well, I got a question for you. On your installer, you you didn't really have to mess with any of the, uh, the RC scripts. Uh, of the old BSD init style, you just jump straight into the system D stuff, didn't you? Yeah, exactly, which which made it so smooth. And to be honest, even in a virtual machine, I was amazed at how fast it booted, you know? And then in a virtual machine, how quickly it boots, and also how simple the documentation was. You know, I'm, I tried Gentoo uh, a good few months ago, and I just got stuck um, at installing any kind of X windows. But um, from the arch, I followed the instructions, made my choices, got E17 up without a hiccup, um, followed how to configure auto login, and then I just went through the list of all the applications that I, I use on a day-to-day basis. I, I, I found out how to um, install stuff from the AUR repository and uh, how to build those things installed. I think it's Yaura. Maybe you can correct me on that. Uh, they used to call it yogurt. <laughs> that would be much easier to remember. How's it supposed to be pronounced? I have no idea. I remember reading on the Arch Wiki a couple of years back that uh, it that it was pronounced as yogurt, but I don't know if that's still there. Well, the, the main thing I wanted to bring to this episode was just to to sort of bring out my my feelings of what Arch Linux is and the the benefits of it, not necessarily. Uh, like trying to uh, sell it to people, but it seems to me that I never understood properly the uh, the motivations for it. And when I when I read the Arch way, it was really fascinating. And um, 
not wanting to sound like like a strange person, but it it really harmonised with my my feelings of free and open source and simplicity and uh, the fact. I love the idea that they they try not to to apply too many of their own patches to the upstream software, and uh, and in that way um, you use stuff as it's supposed to be as 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 near as possible by the original developers. And then if there are any problems, I understand it's maybe more straightforward to know that um, you can report the stuff straight upstream and get things fixed more quickly. Is that? Am I understanding that yeah, properly? Yeah, Arch is a uh, vanilla distro. Uh, vanilla meaning that they just pull straight from upstream and build the packages without applying hardly any patches. I think there's a couple kernel patches that they do. But other than that, everything's pretty much vanilla, kind of like Slackware. Well, I yeah. found it's a lot easier to... Uh to deal with than, than Slackware, even though I like Slackware. Uh, I personally am using a, a, you know, an Ubuntu based, uh, you know, mint. I'm on mint 14, but that's just because some of my amateur radio, um, applications that I like to use are in the repositories and, uh, I'm not adept enough to, to, uh, to, uh, build them from source. But I've my second boot on this machine is is uh, uh, the uh, it's uh, Crunch Arch, and I love that it is just wonderful, fast, quick, you know, just very very uh, great to work wa- uh, work with. Yeah, I was just gonna download and have a look at the Sin Arch as well, you know, because the the one problem I had with uh, installing from the Arch was I needed a a screen up to um to be able to follow the instructions when I was doing it on bare metal, and uh, so I had my wife's computer which is across the room and around the bed, so I had to keep jumping up, going over to her computer, writing something down, <laughs> coming back to my computer, which you know tripled the install time just because I did, couldn't memorize all the commands. It, it wasn't complicated at all. It was just I had to walk across the room repeatedly. Something you might want to think of next time you go to install it. Uh, use links, L-A-N-K-S, to uh, browse over to the wiki and just use a text-based uh, web browser to look at it. Yeah, I actually thought about that afterwards, and uh, I've installed it on the command line, but I haven't used it yet. I remember using that back in the university days, and it was really nice. But thanks for that. But it's a bit too late, though. Well, I've got a comment. Uh, uh... I think I'd like to bring up right now that uh, something that dawned on me the other day, you know, we, uh, uh, we talk about, uh, you know, the different desktops, you know, I haven't had any trouble loading an alternate desktop to any distribution that, uh, that I've had, you know, in my, on my play, uh, type, uh, uh, portion of my hard drive. When I had plain Arch working, I went from um, XFCE to Cinnamon without a problem and not a reinstall. I just loaded the desktop, the different desktop, and uh, I've wondered why folks haven't found that out, or am I above, or, uh, you know, uh, ahead of the curve, or just lucky? It's um, I really want to. 
to to answer this or to to try and understand it better myself because this is this is a frustration I've had with lots of different distros. You know, you get you get to the same distro but in a different graphical in, environment flavor. You know, a GNOME or or a, a KDE version or whatever. And for one, it just seems like it unnecessarily creates a lot more work for the the distro distro developers. And uh, not wanting to criticize distro developers, but um, like if, if I'm making my own desktop, then I want to brand it and make it look like my own, so I feel comfortable in it. But I'm not. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter to me if I if I take on somebody else's branded desktop. You know, what I want is it to work uh, functionally well and to be to be solid. You know, and um, I just get in the feeling that maybe all those patches that the individual distros are or, or distros are putting on top of their packages to make it you know better or to somehow integrate this or integrate that aren't causing kind of incompatibilities between the different um, desktop environments or different installations of stuff and uh, and then it kind of becomes maybe more complicated to um, and more problematic if you install different uh, desktops uh, well, if throw. i may chime in chime uh, Bruce? Oh, fine. go ahead Okay, um, well, uh, I think um, you're right in a sense that there is indeed some incompatibilities made by changes made by certain distributions. However, I think that uh, ultimately these distributions making their own little versions slightly different and in makes that in the end we can decide, well, this way or how Ubuntu instead did it or how Fedora did it or how Debian did it that seems to be the right way let's go that path I think that's more or less a natural part of the development I think that problem with uh, installing the different uh, desktop environments in uh, distributions such as Fedora and Ubuntu has to do with the fact that one uh, expects if one installs uh, the the KDE package on uh, an Ubuntu system that one essentially gets the Kubuntu distribution uh, while if that is what you want to get uh, you need to look a bit further you need to do a group install of the Kubuntu desktop and well everybody's calling it KDE so they usually don't find out and install all the separate packages themselves what were you gonna say Bruce well, I think a lot of it has to do more with uh, with uh, what the focus of a particular distribution is. For example, uh, Ubuntu, um, a couple of years back, I think they were really earnest in their bid to bring more users on board uh, and get them used to the fact that, you know, Linux is not scary. It's not just command line. And uh, I did like their approach to things. Um, and uh, I think it's... Um, yeah, I don't have a good analogy for it, but basically it's just one of those things where um, everybody has their own spin on things, actually literally as well. Uh, and what you have is that I think it exposes you to different looks and feels of different desktops. 
And that's, I think that after you get in at the entry level, then you realize a little later on, it's like, okay, this was really fun. I've had a lot of fun distro hopping. Um, now it's time to settle in and consider something a little more long term. And, you know, that's where I've been for a couple of years now, which is one of the reasons why, you know, either machine is, if I'm not running Slackware on one, I'm running uh, a Debian on another. So, um, I think ultimately after you get into the entry level, then you do decide a little bit further on what you want. The reason Debian was such an easy selection for me is because it allows me to use the XFCE desktop. Well, more I, I importantly, think my, uh, it also gives. Uh, and the last thing is that you have exposure to 30,000 uh, packages in uh, Synaptic. Well, it, my, my comment. Uh, let me clarify was not that uh, uh, the, the different styles of distributions such as what uh, the, the group of Ubuntu uh, uh, styles from, uh, you know, using XFCE and KDE, etc. My, my comment was the fact that uh, for some reason, a lot of us think that what we've got to reinstall a whole distribution to look at Ubuntu in general, let's say, or Debian in general, with a different desktop, and it, it, you really don't have to. You can put that desktop on your working system and switch between as long as you've got the hard drive space. And, and it's just a, um, a, a notion that I've heard over and over, well, I, you know, I, I tried Ubuntu, I didn't like that, so I got rid of it and put uh, Kubuntu on, where all you really had to do was put the KDE desktop uh, on your already working system. Yeah, that well, has to be the Kubuntu test environment uh, group package. If you're using Ubuntu and you decide you don't like the the GNOME interface, and then you install the the, the Kubuntu desktop package, uh, can you go back and remove the Ubuntu desktop package when you started off with the base Ubuntu? I believe so, because uh, I, would, I, I would just guess here, you know, that all of these things are possible, but I'm really guessing that the, the all the dependencies between the packages and and whatever might nowadays, because of the complications, make some of these things uh, likely to break or be have complications or implications that we're not understanding. I just wanted to quickly say to Bruce, the uh, the 30,000 packages, I'd heard from a, a distro developer that um, in the Debian case, most of those um, are actually sort of duplicates or either outdated packages and that, that that number shouldn't be anywhere near as high as that. But I don't mean to create some um, some some war here about who's got the biggest uh, what have you, but um, that was at least what I'd heard. Oh, no doubt about it. In fact, <laughs> yeah. uh... oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Then we'll cause uh, distraction. Uh, the uh, I think in terms of yeah, there are a lot of duplicates. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I think that's one of the <laughs> I think that's one of the problems that we ended up with in the beginning of the year. It's funny. I think that uh, 2012 will go by as the year of the desktop for all the wrong reasons because uh, that's um, where we started off with a couple <laughs> of really interesting new releases in terms of uh, Razer QT. 
um, followed by E17. And I mean, there were a lot of new development being done on the desktop. But, um, you know, now I think what's what we're running into problems with is that I don't know who runs Cinnamon here, but um, I found it to be pretty wonky on uh, my wife's machine and and. But um, unfortunately, I've actually had the machine seize on me three or four times, and that's a little unusual for a Linux distribution. Um, I heard. I mean, this is uh, as it's my subject. I'm going to jump in here and uh, and dominate a little bit. But um, this was my whole reason for trying at least some something which is simpler and less sort of modified by the distro um, distro uh, distro makers. You know, Arch Linux. Um, to see what things were like from upstream, you know, to see how the developers had intended it. And um, I would like to get back to the days where you could have multiple desktops installed on the same machine and they seem to work uh, well together and uh, reliably, you know. So uh, this is my, my whole thing with trying to not just... Um, I I see using Arch as educating myself to be a little bit of a distro developer myself, but uh, making the distro for my own personal use, you know, and maintaining it, maintaining it and understanding it um, instead of just relying upon a distro. I have one question for you all, and that is... Um, how, like a lot of us do distro hopping, so how long do we usually leave a distro on our machine before we switch to something else? And um, how successful is the upgrade path on, say, Ubuntu or, or Debian build or Slackware between, you know, it's they're not rolling releases, but how successful and, and non-problematic are they between each, each minor or major release? Um, and that amount of effort or upheaval, can you compare it to just the continuous maintenance required for, say, a rolling release like uh, like Arch Linux? Are they comparable, or is one of those systems, you know, um, more time-consuming? Um, With my experience, I find that the Debian-based distributions are much harder to upgrade than uh, distributions such as Arch or Slackware. Uh, I'd like to interject for just a second. Um, can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Okay. So, well, okay. So, a background of very long history with both Debian-based distros and uh, Red Hat-based, and now Gentoo and Arch. Um, I find that the rolling release distros, both Gentoo and Arch, the uh, maintenance involved with keeping them up and upgrading and so forth, is so much less time-consuming and uh, problematic. <laughs> Than, uh, than say uh, a Debian or an RPM-based distro. Um, the potential for something to either break or not be compatible when you upgrade, say, a version of Ubuntu or Kamuta or whatever, is far higher. Uh, to give you an example, um, my Gentoo system, uh, which I've had running now for four years, cl- or close to four years, I originally installed it on an AMD 64-bit single-core system. Uh, And then about a year later, rather than reinstalling on new hardware, um, I simply changed some of the settings in the kernel so that the, the drivers were correct and then cloned the installation onto the new hard drive 
and changed a couple settings on the bootloader and it was up and running. And then about a year and a half after that, I went from from that dual core system to now a quad core system. Same thing. All I had to do is change a few options in the kernel and then um, a few options with the bootloader and I was up and running within 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. That um, really confirms my, my thoughts, as I was just mentioning there in the chat. And I'm, I was amazed uh, looking, and I don't mean to oversell Arch, uh, maybe Gentoo is very good as well, or some other distros, but I was amazed at the, the detail, but the, the kind of simplicity of the uh, documentation over at Arch. If you can, can find what you're looking for, there was describe, descriptions of how to, how to move an, uh, an install onto a separate partition, you know, before you do an upgrade to, to make a backup, you know, how to move it to a separate machine and really detailed, but, but really effective. And, uh, I, I found it so interesting to, to read along and to, to, to improve my understanding. If I'm really interested in your, go ahead, boss. Uh, if I may ask a question, uh, I'm only, uh, regarding the rolling releases, I'm only uh, knowledgeable about uh, Gentoo. Uh, I use uh, um, CentOS and Fedora uh, myself at the moment. Um, but um, to me, uh, the the problem with a rolling release or problem it's the, is that once uh, once uh, Upstream decides to upgrade the upgrade, and uh, when that changes configuration options, then uh, it changes configuration options. And once you restart your service, it may or may not uh, work again. I think that is the idea uh, with the with Debian and the CentOS like releases, the which keep a stable stable system. Or at least a stable base, which may be a bit older because it was already a few years ago when it was released, but integrates the stream and have it safer to do uh, an upgrade uh, or an update of your system. Uh, and when you're ready for it, you can upgrade from, say, version 5 to ver version 6. Then you get all the configuration changes and all the binary incompatibilities in one go, and that that gives you a moment when you have a lot of things to do uh, instead of having them moments in time. Uh, the advantage of the uh, not rolling release being then that you can choose the moment when you do the upgrade. Well, um, I would like to say that um, the one the one thing about Gentoo and Arch. Um, well, first of all, Gentoo is almost as stable as Debian as far as updates go. Um, they tend not to uh, unmask packages in the standard repos until they're absolutely sure that they're stable, number one. Number two... Um, you don't really have the problem of being forced to upgrade when something comes out, um, especially in the Gen 2 repos. In the Gen 2 repos, you, uh, for a particular package, there might be four or five different versions of the same package in the repos. So you can basically pick and choose which one you want to install. And then on top of that, once you install the particular version that you want, 
uh, you can, within Gentoo's package manager portage, basically lock it in so that that package and any any dependencies that it requires are blocked from being upgraded for as long as you need it to be. So, I mean, there, are, there aren't really issues with, uh, you know, incompatibility or things breaking like that because, I mean, you, you're free to customize what you install, when you install it, and what version you're able to install. It's not quite the same with Arch. Arch, once they, once they upgrade to the latest version, they remove the older versions of a package fairly quickly. Um, so in that regard, you're kind of, once you upgrade, there's really no rollback path. Whereas with, with Gen 2, even if, you I'm upgrade, not sure. even if you upgrade to the latest version, if something happens, you can always roll back to a previous version within the repos. From sorry, sorry to interrupt you there prematurely, but I'm not sure, from my understanding as a newbie, that that's really true. That uh, as long as you don't delete the um, the the package cache on your local machine, that you have all of the old versions. You can run scripts or programs which will delete, say, um, you know, and only keep the last three versions of any particular software. And they also have. Um, I'm not sure how up-to-date it is or what the status but I saw mention of kind of a way-back machine for all Arch um, packages um, and you can you can enter commands and have it install any any kind of package I'm not saying it's all automated you know with any of these things you you basically have to know what you're doing and to be careful about uh, incompatibilities between versions and you know the simpler the packages with the, the fewer dependencies or none at all the more likely you are to be successful but but I think those same mechanisms do exist in Arch as well. Well, the um, problem is they do exist, but you have to go through tons of extra steps to do them. By they're also not officially supported. That's exactly. Not they're not officially supported. The officially supported method is once a new package comes out, you upgrade to it, and that's it. There's no, there's no reverse path. If you want to roll back, you basically have to have to find one of these methods to do it yourself. Uh, whereas in Gen 2 and Portage, rolling back is officially supported, and it's a it's a, a basically a two commands: uh, you know, emerge dash unmerge, and the name of the package, and then and then you set which version you want, and then emerge and the name of the package, and it'll install the correct version that you want. Simple as that. Looking looking through the. Uh... Hey Cobra, you're admitting. Looking through the document, no, looking through the documentation of Arch, and I'm a newbie to Arch. It didn't look complicated to uh, roll back to a particular version or to install from that uh, that repository I mentioned. I'm not sure really what the difference is between supported and non-supported. You know, at the end of the day, it's a free OS, and does Gentoo really support? all of your problems you know it's the support you get surely is is based upon the strength of the community and and your ability to uh, to interact and your your own skills you know and this for me seems a big difference between at least i'm understanding now a rolling release like gen 2 arch maybe some others and the uh, the kind of more automated where where you get um, backported uh, security and bug fixes to major packages like a uh, for Debian or Ubuntu, um, but 
that major update upgrade you're basically putting off to some later point which is i think we've we've clarified it usually is quite painful you know and time consuming i just want to touch on the uh the spread topic uh that you were just talking about the the difference yeah, between supported and unsupported is uh when you when you install an unsupported package in Arch specifically, you are the maintainer of that package and any bugs that are generated from it, that's your problem and somebody might be willing to help you out, but uh, anybody who's running the, the standard distribution isn't going to be able to help you. You're going you're gonna to have to find somebody that did exactly the same thing that you did. Whereas with Gen 2, uh, if it's supported in Portage, the Gen 2 devs view out. And and they're very friendly, very open. They will answer any questions you need in IRC or even email or, or, or in the forums. So, Sure, I, I understand. I haven't really got my feet with Arch yet. Uh, um, may, maybe Gen 2 is the thing I should be trying. I'm not sure. Well, I'd stick with Arch return, first, boss. Yeah, I was going to say... To gonna the say uh, Neo? Go ahead. Uh, no, you've... You... You do yours, and I'll close the subject. I was just going to say, <laughs> I would probably get a bit more familiar with Arch first before wetting your feet with Gentoo. Uh, I've been using Linux for about 12 years now, and it took me until four years ago to finally get to where I had enough knowledge and experience that I felt I was confident enough to to uh, try Gentoo. So. <laughs> Um, to return to the subject of Arch, um, could you is it is it is it source based or are there also binary packages? I'm a, Both. Okay. And then, the, uh, the main supported packages are binary, and the AUR, the user contributed packages, are, are source. Okay. Then uh, what would you say would um, in practice the Biggest difference uh, for a regular, uh, say, say a Fedora user or a Ubuntu user? I, I don't know. Just from my perspective, um, just as being a, I was on Ubuntu or, or Ubuntu respins, and um, just when it comes to upgrading or making sure you've got a backup before you do an update, just what I've educated myself so far in the last week, it just seems you've got to be a little bit more aware, have good backups, you've got to know what, what files you've modified, perhaps use a few scripts to, to understand, and um, it's not just opening Synaptic or some other package manager and clicking update and uh, blindly hoping, on the most part, all the update is okay. But um, it's kind of getting involved a little bit. And, and if you're interested in getting a bit more involved and understanding what's really going on and not just uh, sort of hopping from one distro to another, hoping that the next one will, will solve all your problems and be better than the previous, but kind of getting your feet wet and uh, getting a little bit involved. And at least my, my first impressions and experience so far have been uh, surprisingly good. And I'm, I'm happy if, if that helps to kind of close this subject at all. Yeah, the thing with the thing with both Arch and Gentoo, um, and even Slackware, um, when when you start to involve source packages, um, you basically have a a level of control over not only what gets installed but what features of it get installed that you don't get in binary distros. 
um, with, with any one of those three, Slackware, Arch, or Gen2. You can even go in and edit the individual make file for the package so that, let's say, you're installing, oh, I don't know, uh, Pigeon, and you don't need MSN Messenger support. You can actually uh, set it in the make file, or in Gentoo's case, it's a simple uh, use flag in, in, you know, um, to basically disable that, and it won't get compiled into the final binary when you install it, which does two things, or actually three things. Uh, it makes the individual program run a little bit faster because it's less that has to load. Two, without the extra code running, uh, you have fewer security vulnerabilities that you have to deal with. And three, uh, because you're compiling in less uh, things that you don't need, um, it takes up less space on the hard drive and also offers better per overall performance for your system. You also don't need to have as many dependencies when you're doing stuff like that as well. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. I would guess all the things you mentioned are, are really important, but the, the hard disk thing is, is probably moot because to, to in order to do this and to have all the backups of versions and what have you, both on Gen 2 and Arch, you, you, the, the distro will use a lot more disk space. And, but that's cheap nowadays, so I'm guessing that's not uh, the most critical or the reason to, to do this at all. Actually, I'm I'm running Arch off of a eight gig SSD, so space is extremely important. Yeah, I was gonna to say me. I've run I've run Gen off of um, an eight gig SSD. So, but what I mean more is just you know with uh, you I, I've used uh, with an Ubuntu build, you know the whole the whole install will only take say one and a half gig or something like that, maybe less. But um, for the equivalent right now in Arch, mine is is up to about four or five gig, you know. Still within your the size of your SSD, but it does use more space. It seems to me, but that's not a problem for me. Yeah, my Arch install is right around 800 megs, and that's with X and Fluxbox. Wow, where where do you store all the packages which are which are downloaded and installed? Do you keep those versions, or because uh, they seem to take up you know quite a bit of space? Uh, the way I do it is when I upgrade, I push when I get back home if I'm out of the house, I push all my uh, back packages to my NFS server. Ah, uh, yeah, I saw some scripts for for doing that for for moving moving them to a different place. Yeah, that that was that's uh, one thing that um, Gentoo has the ability to do. Um, if you set it up with external storage, uh, you, know, you know, network storage or Samba or whatever the case may be, um, you can store. Um, all of your repository packages and everything that's stored locally on a network partition so that you can have an extremely small hard drive. In fact, uh, I think the minimum requirement for a root partition in Arch, I mean not Arch, in, in Gentoo, is something like, I want to say 2.4 gigs uh, is what they recommend, minimum. Yeah, I'm at 2.6 now, but um, did you think many of the Arch people actually do this? You know, I, I understand it's all possible, but does that not, uh, you know, because I just run one machine and, and I have no no need to, to put it off somewhere else. 
Well, the the nice thing about uh, when I download packages for my little netbook that runs x86, uh, I can use those exact same packages without having to download them again on my other machine, which is also x86. Yep, same with you. That's why that's part of the reason why I do it because I run multiple Gentoo machines. Once I download the packages to a single local uh, repository cache, I don't have to download them again. I was reading something on the Arch that you can set up one machine as kind of a master package downloader. And then the, the others can just pick up off of it. Cobra, what's going on in there? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm back in meat and uh, evidently my push to talk keeps on getting hung. Anyway, um, not wanting to occupy all the time, I'll let the Arch Linux subject drop and uh, pass it back on to our host. I'm sorry? Unless anyone else Me? has any more, yeah, to you. Unless anyone else has any more questions about Arch Linux or uh, uh, what have you, um, I'll carry on my my exploration and education, and I'll pass it back to our host. Um. Okay. Do we want to? I I think we want to record the. Do we want to re- take this recording of the Arch episode as a separate recording of whatever is happening next? I think that would be a good idea. Yeah. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 License.